First is to re-examine the history and what we might call the false histories of what's happened to Detroit. The second is to discuss how the economics profession has dealt with the question of race. And the third is to look at ways forward. There seems to be a great energy here, like a renaissance for the city of Detroit. Uh, People like down the street at Shinola, uh, the people at Crane's Business, all these people are very excited about the potential for Detroit. And so we want to look at what a Detroit's tomorrow look like and also tomorrow's Detroit's. There are a whole lot of people who put Detroit in a box as a special case. It was a problem. It's not going to affect our American dream. What we see now going to 2020, 2025 is a very broad racial and ethnic composition of all our major cities, all of which are subject to the vicissitudes of a global economy. So if you can learn from the lessons of Detroit rather than hide from them, perhaps you can do things better. And what's really at the core of this is the interaction between racial animosity and economic insecurity. Well, let's start with the first part of that, the false histories of Detroit. What do you mean by that? Well, there's a great deal of uh, evidence. Thomas Sugru, who's our first speaker, is a, a famous historian of this, that there were fault lines built into the system, that which we call Detroit, in the 40s and 50s, and that the story of what I will call flawed African-American public administration destroying Detroit, particularly Coleman Young and then later Kwame Kilpatrick, really doesn't what you might call measure up to the totality of the challenge. And so we explore what Thomas and what Ren Farley from University of Michigan believe is the real direction, the real story, where the fault lines were, how they were triggered to try to, uh, how I say, move out from what Jerry Heron at Wayne State calls the humiliation of history, meaning you contort history for your own emotional needs now rather than deeply analyze what did happen. Where do you expect the conversation to go uh, during this two-day conference? Well, I think the conversation starts with a diagnosis of past errors, but then uh, Friday night our keynote speaker is very uplifting, uh, Reverend William Barber from North Carolina, uh, who spoke very, very powerfully just before Hillary Clinton did at the Democratic Convention. He will talk about how to, how you say, transform yourself into a positive state of mind, meet the challenges and so forth. And then the second day is all about what I will call healing and moving forward. First is bearing witness to the actual, what you might call evidence-based plight of African Americans and other people and see how that is playing out. Second is to look at the interaction between Anxiety caused by a slack economy and animosity and how that contorts our politics. Third part, mind scientists, neuroscientists talk about how do you handle an inflamed racial environment and how do you heal it? We will talk with the people at Shinola about why they're enthusiastic about being here in this city. And then we'll talk about, as I said, the future of all the other Detroits because the kind of what we call otherness that is embodied in American racial hostility is present in the Syrian refugee crisis in Europe. It's present in Brexit. It's present in India. This is uh, a very, very powerful phenomenon that that economics has neglected historically. And it seems to be present uh, here in not just Detroit, but in our own country. Uh, We saw a lot of uh, racial tension, uh, different reactions people had to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, We heard about it during the presidential campaign. And we know that Detroit and other large cities with predominantly black populations have suffered tremendous poverty and economic hardship over many, many years. 
the same could be said to some degree of rural white communities, which yes. have also lost jobs and uh, impoverished people. Uh, much of President-elect Trump's support came from the white working-class Americans who feel that same economic security. Mm-hmm. Is racism alone the main source of economic injustice, or are there other factors no, to consider? Racism is a consequence of anxiety ah. felt on both sides of the racial divide. And the people, the Caucasians who are suffering, are humans just like the African Americans and all deserve much more attention, whether from our government, our business. Our social design is not working well right now. I think our presidential election results reflect that. I don't think Donald Trump is the cause. I think he's the effect. So how can we find paths to healing racial and economic divisions, uh, paths that are just and fair for all? Well, these are formidable challenges. They've been around, so how would I say? We're not having the new Albert Einstein walk across the stage. We're exploring. It's going to take a different mindset on the part of those who've been hurt. They have to come forward, uh, how would I say, not traumatized, angry, feisty in a way that contributes to the polarization. And how you establish that faith, how you establish the leadership that's at the core of a healing that's what our mind scientists are talking about. And uh, really my co-architect of this conference is a man named John Powell. He's grown up in Detroit, and he is a professor at Berkeley. He runs the Haas Center for Fairness and Inequality. He's a fantastic mind. And John basically, and I talked about this, and he said, why do you want to do this? I said, we both grew up in Detroit. There are lessons from Detroit, and nobody wants to live in a haunted house. When you start treating any human being like they're not worthy of attention, response, or empathy. And American racism was a bad example of that. It leaks into all of our minds, into all of our hearts, that as Sparky Anderson said, every 24 hours, the world turns over on top of somebody else. And it could turn over on top. When I start seeing inhumanity, I start to get scared for me, my daughters, whatever, because the world might turn over on top of me. And then even if the racism is the vehicle now, or how you treat rural white people is the vehicle now. That cruelty puts me into a haunted house, even if it's not visiting me in the moment. And that's what we got to fight.